Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're rocking with the most awesome The Carl Nelson Show. And good morning, Wake Up Squad, and thanks for starting your day with us again later. Author Neely Fuller Jr. will be here to expound on his racism, white supremacy tome. And I got to give you a heads up. You have to listen very, very keenly because Mr. Fuller uses logic. If you take a logic course in college, you'll understand. Cause and effect to prove his points. So sometimes you jump to conclusions. Oh, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? But just, just, you know, calm down and just, uh, just listen keenly. I, I didn't get it the first time I heard it, the system, of, how the system of racism, white supremacy works. And don't get caught up on, on the word supreme. It's, it, there's a system. It's a global system. In fact, when I first heard it with Dr. Welsing, it was nearly full of uh, mentor. I, you know, I had to go over and call her again after the after the program. Says Dr. Wilson, I didn't get it. Can you break it down for me? Put it where I can understand. She basically said, if you're doing something that white people approve, the oppressor approves, then you're caught up in the system of, of racism, white supremacy. And just think about all the things you do and say. And if 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 the oppressor approves that, then you're caught up in the system of racism, white supremacy. She broke it down. So I just. I just Break it down for you guys so you, in case you have difficulties in, in uh, understanding it. Before we hear from Mr. Fuller, though, Florida investigative reporter Jeff Gallup will join us. Jeff will explain the frustrations many in Florida's black community have with their governor, Ron DeSantis. But to get us started, Dr. Zena Pierre from the Maryland Black Caucus is here. Good morning, Dr. Pierre. Good morning, Mr. Nelson. Glad to be with you. Well, this being your first time here, give us a little bit of your background. Well, uh, I am currently the uh, president of the uh, Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. Uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. I've been in business for over 22 years uh, doing, um, I started out in the lobbying field and uh, about six years ago uh, shifted to doing diversity, equity, and inclusion training and development, personality assessments, and uh, prior to that, I was with the uh, Clinton administration. I worked as special assistant to the president for intergovernmental affairs um, as Clinton's liaison to mayors and county officials and uh, state legislators. And um, prior to that, I was in television for 10 years. And so um, it's just good to be here. I'm also a uh, pastor. <laughs> uh, so I wear a lot of hats. Um Senior pastor Bethel Restoration Church in Lanham, Maryland, and so um, been in politics for a very, very long time, and uh, just excited to be here. All right, uh, and good to have you because you, you guys are having your twentieth legislative weekend. I think it's next week. Is it, am I correct? Is it next week? It's it's next week. It's actually twenty. Is it twenty eighth or twenty ninth? One of those numbers. Uh, and yes, next week we start on the seventeenth. Uh, which is our virtual uh, weekend or our virtual workshop. And then the uh, 28th, 
or the 18th, um, it's early in the morning, and I've been up all night, right? Uh, on the 18th, uh, we have our business over breakfast at the Reginald Lewis Museum uh, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., and then our uh, annual gala uh, and reception at the uh, Maryland Live Casino and Hotel. All right, let's talk some politics. Uh, uh, the Democratic Party seems to be shedding people, young, mostly younger people. Is there a plan? Is, is there a national plan? Is there a local plan, a regional plan to get those young people back in the party? Oh, absolutely. You know, our, our party, uh, well, let me just say this, you know, coming from you know, the Democratic Party and working uh, for a number of years in national politics, um, the one thing that I've learned, Mr. Nelson, is that, you know, this generation is about, uh, uh, you know, movement, but we've been taught mission. And, um, you know, I'm a baby boomer, and it was all about mission uh, and and movement. But in this generation, it's, it's about movement and moment. Uh, and so we have to reach uh, the issues that, that touch um, our, our young folk and the millennials uh, and the even some of the um, Gen Z groups because uh, they don't necessarily um, attach themselves always to a party affiliation. It's issues. Uh, they vote by the issue. Um, but we are in a, a very vicarious moment or season in this in our history. And I, I tell you, without um, the largest portion of people, you know, back then it was, you know, the the the, the seniors were our uh, star power, but now uh, the largest block are the millennials, and so we have to meet the need of their their issues that are important to them. And so, I think that you know, this this coming uh, convention, uh, you may know Mignon Moore. Uh, she's African American. She's been. Uh, a close confidant to the Clintons, uh, to uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was, you know, the precipitous behind in part um, her being in office. And so um, she's now going to be the president of the Democratic Convention this year. And I think that you're going to see a lot more younger faces. Uh, we saw a lot of younger candidates this year. Some of them didn't make it, but uh, some of them did. And so I think that we have an opportunity to really um, create a, a whole new paradigm shift, if you will, for what politics looks like in uh, in this day and time. Six minutes after the top of the hour, just waking up, our guest is the head of the uh, Maryland Black Caucus here, and the uh, name is Dr. Zena Pierre. Dr. Pierre, let's look at the recent elections on Tuesday. We saw that uh, Democrats look good. They picked up some, picked up some uh, seats. Yeah. And it's basically on the issue of, of abortion, but still there, there is a cloud over the, the top of the ticket, Joe Biden. Uh, people say he's too old and, and, and they're trying to figure out now that there's some post-mortem going on over that election. What happened? Because they know that uh, people are not, many Democrats are not happy with Joe Biden, uh, his performance, but yet still, they still won. And it seems like it was the abortion issue. Did you have a chance to really look into the breakdown, the numbers in the, in the different states? did not get a chance to do that. Uh, I hate to say that uh, because I, 
I was really focused on some of the local stuff this year. Uh, but, you know, Joe Biden has always been the guy that uh, was not afraid to say what he saw. And uh, he's always been loyal to his party and to uh, the issues that matter uh, in many of our communities of people that look like us. And I, I think that, you know, uh, for all of the naysayers that are feeling as if, you know, hey, he is, he's aged out or whatever they feel about this, uh, the issues are not aged out. And, and I think that um, for as long as we keep those issues in the forefront, um, I think that we have an opportunity to, uh, to bring this to bear again uh, in yet another presidential election. And so, uh, you know, we're for the first time, I mean, you, you look at uh, the fact that, you know, voting rights, uh, uh, affirmative action, uh, all of these very, you know, a woman's right to choose, all of these things have, we're, you know, millennials are in a position right now where it's like, this is something that they probably never thought that they would be in, 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 the, in a position of saying, wow, these are things. And, and then you look at the 8A program. I mean, all of these things are, are at risk right now. It's not already gone out the window. And uh, we've got to, you know, align to the issues that matter to the people. I always say that, you know, we've got to understand better how public policy impacts our pocketbook. Uh, so that we don't have uh, folk who are out there saying, oh, my vote doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Every vote is going to count in this next election. I think it's one of the most important ones that we'll ever see in our lifetime. And having said that, on the, on the other uh, on the other side of the column, you have Donald Trump. He's the leading the standard bearer for the Republicans. He's also not much older, than, much younger, I should say, than yeah. uh, than Joe Biden, but he never gets tagged with being the, too old. Why not? Why? Why? Why do the, most of the American people see see the, these candidates as, as far as the age is concerned differently? I, I think you know it's it's also the messaging, yeah, um, the, which can be a distraction. And so sometimes we we can say enough and yell enough, loud enough that people miss other points and other parts. Uh, that uh, we should be focused on. And so, you know, for for me, um, what's most important to me is that our kids have uh, a social security <laughs> when, they, when they get to our age. What's important to me is that uh, economic development, economic empowerment is equitable. Um, that our, the education, uh, access to education is equitable, that our seniors are not struggling to figure out whether they um, save their few dollars to purchase their medicine or save their few dollars to eat uh, a decent meal. And so these are, are the issues that, you know, are important to most of us who are out there in the streets and we hear these messages and we see the, the needs every day. So. 
You know, and I'm glad you mentioned messaging because the economy is doing much better than people see it on, on, a, on, a, on a different standard. But on the personal standard, in the pocketbooks, inflation is still going away, still going rampant. But somehow the, the, the Democratic Party hasn't been able to, to get that message across. Yeah, the economy is doing good. You know, these businesses are doing good. It's doing much better than people expected each and every month when these reports come out. But they've not been able to sell that to the American people. Why? Well, you know, I, I think that, again, you know, the one thing that I, I have always been clear on is, you know, not naming any particular party, but, you know, uh, truth or, 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 or untruth, uh, there are certain folk that will stick to their message regardless of the truth of the message. <laughs> and, you know, our party uh, has to continue to, to work really hard at establishing uh, messaging that uh, sticks to every place that we discuss it. You know, like uh, it, it should be, um, you know, uh, whether it's um, our right to choose, the right to choose or the, the, the right to have access to uh, health care. Those messages are just not necessarily always tapping down to the younger folk, and it's the way we message it. It's not that the information is not there, and it's not that the information is not important, but you cannot cookie cutter, you cannot have a cookie cutter approach to how you share the messaging. And so I think the, the big thing is that we've got to be able to unpack this in a layman's terminology that can go from, you know, a senior to a Gen Z to help them understand this is what this means and this is what that means and this is how it will impact you if we don't address it. Because, listen, if, if you don't have the right a state's attorney uh, at the local level, Pookie and them, <laughs> you know, when they're facing these trials and facing uh, these challenges in the court system, it matters who your state's attorney is. It, it, it matters because if you look at the state of Maryland for the first time, we have a black governor, a black treasurer, a black attorney general, a, a female comptroller. I mean, those are the four top positions in the state of Maryland. And, but most people don't even know that. Yeah. Well, hold that thought right there, Dr. Pierre. We've got to take a short break. We come back, though. I want you to tell the theme of, of this of next weekend's meeting of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation and also some of the issues that you see that as black politicians see that's uh, paramount to the black community. Folks, you want to join this conversation with our guest, Dr. Zena Pierre. She's the head of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. Reach out to us. Our telephone number is toll free. It's also worldwide. It's 800-450-7876. We'll take your calls in four minutes after the traffic and weather update right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with Dr. Zena Pierce. She's the new head of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. They're having their legislative uh, session coming up in, in, I think it starts next week, she told us. And we got some folks already want to talk to you, Dr. Pierre, but I ne neglected to ask you, what is the theme of, of this, this meeting? Is there a theme? Yes, there is. It's building an equitable Maryland together. 
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, are you going to look at the problems facing black people in Maryland? Is that, is yes, that what this meeting is all so. about? Absolutely. Our series of uh, workshops on Friday, they're all virtual, so everyone can join in on this. Uh, and we're focused on areas that are important and the, and the points of areas that the, the Legislative Black Caucus uh, of Maryland is focusing on. You know, we have a new chair, uh, Chairwoman Janelle Wilkins out of Montgomery County, and um, the five points, the areas are behavioral health, uh, so we want to really deal with, and they're going to focus, there's a workshop on health equity in Maryland. There's another one on um, social determinants uh, as we deal with health in the black community. Uh, there's another one on procurement opportunities in Maryland, uh, higher education in Maryland, where we're going to have a number of uh, all of the black HBCU presidents will be on that particular panel, uh, followed by um, so you want to be in the cannabis business, and um, there's a panel that will discuss uh, that industry. And then finally, equitable housing issues in Maryland. Uh, and our business over breakfast, um, we have the lieutenant governor. We're, we're doing something a little different. Uh, we're going to do like a fireside chat. We wanted to do it at the Reginald Lewis Museum to give back to our community. Uh, and so... Um, uh, that's from nine to, to five p uh, nine to twelve p.m. Excuse me, at the um, Reginald Lewis Museum uh, on Saturday, the 18th. Uh, our Lieutenant Governor Aruna Miller uh, will be the moderator, and um, we're going to have an action-packed uh, group of um, you know all of the money people. Uh, our Comptroller Brooke Learman, uh, the Secretary of Commerce Kevin Anderson and the assistant secretary uh, to uh, uh, the MBE program, uh, Tony Bridges. And so uh, we want to talk about Maryland being open for business, business. And so we're really hoping that people will come out on Saturday and uh, have an opportunity to engage and hear uh, from, uh, you know, the comptroller and others about what that looks like in terms of Maryland being open for business. So. Uh, we got a lot going on between Friday and Saturday, and of course, on Saturday night is our annual gala and awards uh, ceremony at the uh, Maryland Live. All right, and it seems like, sounds like it's gonna be a lot of fun and a lot of business taking uh, uh, care of as well. Twenty-four after the top of the hour, as I mentioned, we've got some people who already want to talk to you online too. We've got Ben; he's calling from Long Beach, out in California. Ben, good morning. Yes, young lady, we appreciate you. You sound like you're doing a wonderful job. sound like a beautiful uh, black woman, highly intelligent. But I want you to hear me out, young lady. Uh, Genocide Joe has got to go. 
They're using our bombs, our weapons, our bullets to kill our brothers and sisters in Gaza, and they're coming for us in, in his second term. Uh, he's a white supremacist. He has uh, shown his hand. I will never vote Democrat again. Genocide Joe, got to go. Genocide Joe, got to go. All right, Ben, let's give her a chance to respond. Uh, Dr. Pierre, that's uh, some of the, f- the feelings of some people in the black community. Your thoughts on that? Um, well, we all have our right to what we believe and what we feel. And so I certainly respect uh, where he stands in his position. So, um, All right. Well, we, that's, that's good enough. 25 after the top. I'll take another call for you. Brother Haki is calling from Baltimore. He's on line three. Good morning, Brother Haki. Yes. Uh, good morning, uh, Brother Carl. And good morning, Dr. Pierre. How are you? Good morning to our parliamentarian of the uh, Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Carl, for having us. Brother Carl, you you, you given uh, Dr. Pierre the opportunity to go back in her experiences, the diverse experience and background here today with this interview. But um I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Good to hear you. Um, I wanted to, you know, just give, you know, just a quick, you know, just so, I mean, Dr. Pierre, you mentioned, you know, how Maryland is unique and, you know, in terms of our levels of representation, for instance, in Maryland, I, I think we have uh, 64 black uh, elected officials, uh, 17, I believe it's 17 and 54, if I'm not mistaken, something to that <laughs> 17 to 47 uh, uh, senators, 17 senators, uh, 47 House members. And, you know, that's comparatively, I mean, you know, some people say Georgia has a larger delegation, I think. Um, but there's always that discussion about which is the largest. And so, but, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was at recently at the Reginald Lewis Museum, uh, Dr. Pierre, where they had some of the former, um, they, they called them the goon squad, which is some of the civil rights leaders, uh, the older civil rights leaders, and their children were actually there. And so the conversation came up about the founding of of the Black Caucus. And I was just looking, I mean, you know, the Maryland Black Caucus, and, you know, they were talking about Perrin J. Mitchell. But if you research, if we research it, we do, do have a historian where uh, it was uh, Lena K. King Lee, uh, was she was a former delegate in Baltimore? Uh, she, I think, she, uh, she was the third black woman uh, to get like a law degree in the state of Maryland. And so, you know, she they were talking about the different Mitchells, the Perry Mitchell. Many of them have been instrumental in uh, setting up the the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. And I know people get, you know, sometimes the, the Congress Maryland confused with the congressional so we always have to make a distinction and i've i've been on the board you know for for three years now myself and dr pierre came on at the same time and so uh you know it's just been you know a tremendous learning curve for me i mean and there's there's different caucuses i just want to say that and you know to you know the earlier caller i mean people make decisions based upon a lot of different interests um, you know, there's, for instance, in Maryland, there's a women caucus, there's a veterans caucus, Asian and Latino caucus. We are the black caucus. So I feel, you know, very good for all of my listening into different people on the radios, 
you're able for me I'm able and we're able to get a lot of different opinions from the black community. And it's like we're getting the pulse of the people and we're able to look at, uh, you know, the various policies, for instance, in the state of Maryland. And like some years ago, we had like a real session where, you know, the the most intelligent black people in the state of Maryland came together for six months. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, once a month and just listen to these experts and, you know, have policy areas to uh, to bring up. So I feel that Maryland is, you know, definitely in, in a most strategic position uh, to uh, institute some levels of, 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 of black uh, equity, ownership and power. And so we shouldn't take that lightly. So I just I just wanted to put it back on what we do have power and control over. We don't we can't control what Biden does. But we can control. We have a level of power and what we can do here in the state of Maryland. So thank you, Absolutely. thank you, and I'll just you know, yeah. All right, thanks, thanks brother Hockey. Thank you, Doctor Pierre. You want to respond to anything that brother Hockey said? Yes, sir. You know we are so well positioned as African American Marylanders right now. You know, again, you know, to have three African American men in major positions within the state of Maryland with the governor, the the treasurer, the uh, attorney general, uh, positions us in, in a way that no other state in the union for African American, as it relates to African Americans, um, are positioned. Um, because now we have representation uh, from, you know, financial place, from uh, the insurance of of, uh, or assurance that MBE participation is properly uh, um, monitored, um, that um, programs and initiatives that matter to our community, uh, we have a governor that he's on point with it. Um, he doesn't hide or shy away from who he is as an African-American, and he has not put our stuff on the back burner uh, to say, hey, I, I can't deal with these issues right now because I'm dealing with all of Maryland. He hasn't skipped anyone. He says no one should be left behind, that everybody matters. And I appreciate that about our governor. And, you know, we, we, we have an attorney general that has worked in various levels of government from uh, lieutenant governor to Congress to now where he is now. So he understands the issues. Uh, and um, I'm grateful that we are uh, in this particular season of our lives as African-Americans in the state of Maryland. Well, let me ask you this then, at 29 away from the top there, what are the major problems you see facing black folks, the black community in Maryland? Well, certainly, you know, our top, um, our first workshop is on behavioral health equity, uh, because we, we recognize that you know, many people, you know, the notion of mental health, is it's now become behavioral health because uh, our kids are dealing with that day in and day out with remote learning and, uh, you know, post-COVID, pre-COVID, uh, in COVID. Uh, our kids working uh, from a remote or learning remotely was dismal for our kids. It, it didn't help. It, it created behavioral challenges. It created issues with discipline. Uh, and we're in a a, a post um, 
uh, vicarious trauma season of George, George Floyd around this country where everyone is dealing with not necessarily what happened to them, but what they've had to witness between seeing uh, the, the, the various levels of incidents um, with people like George Floyd, watching so many people die uh, from COVID, uh, all of the other things that um, many of us have had to face not just African Americans, but Marylanders. Period. And so, um, so mental health is on the top of our list. And um, but also part two of that uh, is dealing with the social determinants of of health in the Black community. And so, um, uh, uh, Delegate Jocelyn Pena Melnick and uh, Senator Malcolm Augustine, they're chairing the uh, behavior health equity in Maryland, excuse me, my tongue is getting a little tired, and people are going to be able to hear about ways in which equity across all behavioral health services are underrepresented and marginalized. Uh, uh, Groups within Maryland communities will be explored, and so um, we recognize that mental health is an issue. Substance abuse is is an issue. And, and hold that thought right there, Dr. Pierre. We've got to take a short break here, and I'll let you give us the rest of the, the issues that you see as the major problems facing the black community in Maryland. Folks, you want to join this conversation with Dr. Zena Pierre. She's the new president of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. away from the top of the hour. We've got to take a break and get caught up on the latest news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. We'll be back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010. W-O-L-B, and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. W-O-L, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 800-450-7876, number to call. Speak to our guest, Dr. Zena Pierre. She's the new president of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. Before we go back to it, let me just remind you, coming up later this morning, you can hear from Neely Fuller Jr. Again, he's going to expound on his tome on racism and white supremacy. Before we get to Mr. Fuller, though, uh, uh, investigative reporter Jeff Gallup will be here. Jeff's going to explain how the frustrations that many of uh, Florida's black community have with, with their governor, Ron DeSantis. And tomorrow, of course, is Friday, and we'll give you another chance to free your mind. Think for yourself and join us for our Open Phone Friday program. Begin promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So, Dr. Pierre, I'm going to let you continue to tell us one of the, some, of the, some of the issues that you think the, 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 the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation thing is the major issues facing black people in Maryland and how you're going to attack them. Dr. Pierre, I'm not hearing uh, Kevin. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I had my phone on mute. My apologies. Okay. Uh, no problem. <laughs> I was saying that, um, you know, the, the Black Caucus has a, uh, you know, 2023 legislative agenda that uh, they put out, and they took those issues and parlayed them into uh, this year's uh, legislative weekend. And so, uh, again, you know, focusing on mental health and uh, the social determinants of health in the uh, the black community. One of the other things is um, workshops is procurement opportunities. And they really want to focus, um, you know, the state of Maryland has talked about um, since, you know, the Hogan administration that Maryland is open for business. And so, uh, and the governor, Governor Westmore is really committed to the success of helping make this happen. We know that the MBE goals, uh, you know, are 
29% um, uh, that is supposed to be over 70, uh, stretched over to 70. That's the aspirational goal of, of 29% MBE uh, participation, minority business enterprise uh, participation. And, um, uh, and that's across uh, 70 agencies represented in the state of Maryland. We recognize that there are a lot of MBE businesses, but the truth of the matter is um, what I appreciate about what this governor is doing is he's put an ombudsman in to help deal with and interface with minority businesses that are struggling to understand the basics of how to navigate um, uh, the EMMA um, um, uh, website where you can go to look for bids, uh, any challenges in, uh, related to contracting um, opportunities. They, this person or this um, uh, office is going to be responsible for uh, interfacing with those MBE organizations. You know, I was at um, something that uh, Adrian Harpool and um, uh, and, you know, some other folk, Tiffany, uh, pulled together a few weeks ago at Coppin State, and it was one of the best uh, MBE conferences that I had ever attended And um, because it was very practical. They had bankers there. They talked about the notion of everybody must have a bail, B-A-I-L, a banker, an accountant, an insurance agent, and a lawyer. And... Um, and it was very practical teaching. And that's exactly what we're doing uh, next weekend uh, throughout these workshops is practical information that people can carry with them, but not just uh, to be informed, but to be empowered. Uh, and so one of the other ones is, you know, equitable housing. We know that housing is an issue, uh, um, accessible housing. People can't afford to live where they work. So you have, you know, police officers, you have firemen, you have nurses, you have teachers uh, that commute miles and miles away from the schools that oftentimes uh, or the businesses or, or agencies that they oftentimes uh, times live in. And so we're going to talk about that. Also, you know, that whole disparity issue with property devaluation and appraisal. So all of those are going to be great conversations that are going to be had uh, during this week's conference. And again, uh, speaking on higher education in Maryland, and uh, we have a number of HBCU presidents that will be present for that particular workshop to talk about um, uh, HBCU and uh, private schools that offer both two- and four-year degrees, because everybody isn't uh, aspiring to do four years. But uh, if there are opportunities to get certificates and two-year degrees that will allow you to have um, uh, viable income when it's all said and done, those are the goals that we want to discuss and, uh, and engage with uh, folk. And so I think it's going to be a, a – um, I know it's going to be – a great weekend of information sharing uh, and um, allowing people to be empowered with information that not only uh, can they take back, but that they can use uh, to scale up their businesses and um, have access to, to opportunities. And, and you know what? Uh, 13 away from the time. I'm glad you said that, but 
but Ink Eyes are doing a lot of stuff, and it, and this go even the the uh, Congressional Black Caucus do a lot of stuff too. Mm -hmm. but, but the message never seems to get to the people because people always say, "What are they doing? What are they doing?" And the same thing mm -hmm. in, in Washington, same thing in Maryland. What are they doing? You've just yeah. read a litany of stuff that you guys are doing. But how does that information get down to the people? The, the people, I, I think that there's some disconnect between what you guys are doing because you're doing great things, but the people don't know. You know, you're absolutely right. One of the things that Chairwoman Janelle Wilkins did this year was she did a tour uh, around various parts of the state of Maryland. And it was a listening tour, but it was also an opportunity for the black state legislators and members um, therein uh, in those particular jurisdictions that they hosted these, like uh, one was done in Baltimore uh, at, um, I believe it was at Coppin State. There was another one that was done at uh, Bowie State. Um, uh, there was one that was done in Montgomery County. And so uh, they split it in four different corridors and they took all of these issues that I just mentioned to you and they shared all of the bills that was that were passed this year. What was the legislation that was on on, and what passed and what didn't pass? Uh, people were able to um, ask questions in the audience and engage with legislators like they had never done before. And so it's a start, and it was a great start uh, to be able to go around the state. One of the things that the chairwoman and I are working on. Uh, doing is a, a state of Black Maryland uh, survey and report, uh, and so we we know that um, you know the information. It's been a challenge with people getting it all the way down to the places where it needs to go. But one of the things that we are certain of making a promise to is that. Uh, we are developing partnerships with various organizations that can help us share that information. The Black Chambers of Commerce, the Bi-County Roundtable, the various HBCUs. And so, um, you know, we're, we're working on it. I promise you we are. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, hey, 10 you. away from the top there. Uh, doc, Dr. Pierre, you're going to have these workshops, and, and they're free, and they're virtual. How can folks, if they want to uh, get involved and, and attend these workshops virtually, how can they do so? Because this is this is how we, we you can reach the people. Yes, and well, the 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 virtual workshops um, you can go to our website at uh, Maryland Black Caucus at MD Black Caucus Foundation org. And uh, all of the information is cited on our uh, our website. You can click on the website. Let's see. Hold on. 
Right. I'm looking at and, it right and, now. I, and while you're looking for that, uh, this question for the, the listeners are out there, can they participate? Can they ask questions? Can they say, hey, what about this issue? What about that issue? Can they bring that up in these workshops? Yes, they can. That is the goal. That Now, these these workshops, you, you do need to register for them. So when you go online, there's a QR code, and you can scan the QR code uh, to, to register online. We... Um, I'm telling you, the now the two Saturday events are are not free. Um, they're uh, the breakfast and the uh, annual gala. Um, however, if you want to engage in these workshops, go right online to mdblackcaucusfoundation.org. You can scan to register right there. All right, family. So there's no reason for you not to not to get involved. Because, you know, people complain and they say they always say the lawmakers, they represent us and they're not doing anything. But on the other hand, they're doing a lot of stuff, but they the information does not get out. So there's no excuse now. And I'm going to before you go, I'm going to let you give that information out again. But for the latecomers, what is the theme of, of this gathering of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation? Yes, sir. It's building an equitable Maryland together. And it's our and, 28th legislative weekend. And all elected black officials are going to be there from the top yes. to the bottom, from the governor? Will uh, the governor the be there? Governor, I'm not certain if the governor will be there. The lieutenant governor is going to be there. Last year we had uh, the governor there as our keynote speaker. And as you know, if you go anywhere where he speaks, he is a rock star. People love him because they can feel his heart, uh, and uh, people really do matter uh, to him. And he says what he means. So we we had the governor speak at our we last uh, in September we did uh, we hosted our first uh, Maryland um, uh, caucus um, reception. Uh, and uh, it was really to focus on black ex- excellence during the Congressional Black Caucus um, legislative weekend. And so we had over 2,000 people that showed up at the Salamander Hotel. Of course, it was free, so it's easy to you know, get a ton of people when you're free. But nevertheless, the people were there. They were excited. It was a packed house. We had our, our we honored our two black legislative, um, our black members of Congress, Kwaisi and Fume and Glenn Ivey. Cindy Hoyer was there, the, the Speaker of the House. Which you know, again, that here we are. I said, you know. Uh, three top uh, black positions, but uh, I failed to mention Baltimore's own, our very own Speaker Adrian Jones, the highest ranking uh, woman in the state of Maryland. Uh, and so um, politically, and so we are so positioned and postured to do great things in the African-American community. And the biggest thing is that we've got to communicate better with each other to know and understand the issues at hand, and to meet your uh, legislators. It's, you can go to any legislator uh, that you desire to talk about an issue to. You can make an appointment with them. Uh, and so the, it, it's not as difficult as people would think uh, that there are these huge giants that are out there that we could never reach. Uh, I told someone, and I'll, I'll be quiet on this, 
I, I, I tell you, hold, no, hold that story right there because we're going to take a quick break. I'll let you tell that story on the other side. we got to take the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in Baltimore. Six minutes away from the top there, by the way, family. Uh, we'll be back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. Good morning once again, family minute at the top of the hour. Our guest, Dr. Zena Pierre, she's the head of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. And momentarily, we're going to speak with investigative reporter Jeff Gallup. Let's go back to Dr. Pierre, though. Dr. Pierre, you were about to tell us something. I don't even want to break your concentration, so go ahead and, and I'll let you do it right now. Oh, sure. I know that I don't have very much time, so I do want to go back to uh, these workshops are going to be extremely well uh, 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 presented and um, you don't want to miss it and it's free. So please, I implore you to go to www.mdblackcaucusfoundation.org. That's mdblackcaucusfoundation.org. And, and Mr. Nelson, I was just uh, trying to quickly say that uh, people don't realize the, the, that their voice uh, yields power because their vote yields power. Um, I, I was, someone was telling me about a challenge they were having with their mortgage company. And um, they were having some issues with uh, wanting to get a modification. The, the mortgage company kept dragging it, dragging it, dragging it, until they found themselves months and months and months behind. And then they wanted to foreclose on them. And I told them, I said, listen, write a letter, address it to your state senator, your, your local delegate, uh, within your district, as well as your member of Congress, uh, and CC the mortgage company. And I guarantee you, you'll get a response quicker than you think. Well, that's exactly what they did, and that's exactly what happened. One, the member of Congress called the mortgage company because they have a department that interfaces with that kind of stuff all the time. And so within a matter of a week, their situation was addressed. Does it always happen like that? Absolutely not. But the fact still remains that this is, you know, we vote these people into office to have an opportunity to access those things that we need support from. And so uh, I, I just want to just emphasize how important it is to get to know these black state legislators, get to know your member of Congress, because you'd be surprised of the things that are out there that you have no idea of until you have that that opportunity to engage so and thank you for sharing that that story this is absolutely true other people have told me they've done the same thing and got the same results got the results and everything started to move as soon as they get a phone call whatever it was yeah. from somebody else the gears start to shift but let me ask you this before we let you go can you repeat again uh, the the website for folks who want to get involved in this legislative weekend. Uh, and again, our theme is building an equitable Maryland together. Uh, our website where you can register for free workshops on Friday. They're virtual workshops at mdblackcaucusfoundation.org. That's mdblackcaucusfoundation.org. And when you go online, you'll see uh, a registration link 
And when you click on that link, it takes you right to the free workshop. And you can click any one of those workshops uh, and um, register to go to any of them between 9 and 3.30 p.m. Thank you, Dr. Pierre. Thank you for the work that you're going to do, and hopefully you have a very successful convention. Thank you so much. We look forward to hopefully seeing you there, Mr. Nelson. Yeah, well, I'll try and make it, for sure. <laughs> That's Dr. Zena Pierre. She's the new head of the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation. They're having their legislative conference uh, next week. So, folks, if, if you you got the information, and you know, stop complaining and jump on board. And, and if you got questions of what's going on in your community, that's a place to put those questions to to your lawmakers. Five after the top of the hour. Jeff Gallup. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, excellent. How about yourself? Uh, doing well. Just enjoying this nice uh, Florida weather down here. Oh man, don't don't say that. <laughs> you know, it's chilly in some parts of the country. <laughs> don't, don't be teasing us with that Florida weather, because. But you know, having said that, this this sort of delves into what we, we're talking to, uh, you, you about the the problems in Florida with, with the black community have with with Governor DeSantis. Is is the NAACP put out a warning and telling folks uh, at least I guess conventions, black conventions, not to come to the state of Florida? Is, is that still on? Is that is that warning still there? Do you know? Yes. And in, in fact, um, since the shooting that took place in Jacksonville in, in late August, where you had a, a person who was uh, uh, deemed as a white supremacist, went into uh, a Dollar General store and, and killed three people. Since that time, you've had other people uh, come out and just basically say, hey, look, this things are happening in Florida and things are tense. And we, you know, uh, the, the black community needs to be extra alert. So you have had that. But but then again, you look at the reports of people leaving different states, and, and many people are moving to Florida and Texas. How do you square that? Are, are mostly white folks moving in then, or are black people moving to Florida? I haven't seen the stats um, directly. I do know that we do have a, a good good influx of people who are moving in from across, um, you know, from places like New York, New Jersey, from uh, out west, California as well. But then you're also having people leave leave the state as well. So you're you're having it, it, it kind of balances out to, to a degree. And the reason they're, they're coming here may be political in some cases, of course. You know, that does happen. Retirees feel like they want to come to a place uh, where they can uh, match ideology, if you, want to, if you want to say it that way. But a lot of people come here because of the, the attractions, because of the beaches and, and, and the warm weather. Yeah, but you have a warning because you spoke to a, a lot of Floridians, black Floridians, and they're concerned with, with Governor Ron DeSantis. What are they telling you? Absolutely. Uh, it, there seems to be sort of uh, a sense that people are frustrated, that people are exhausted with the uh, state of politics here in the state of Florida because you've had a governor who's actually uh, told people that Florida is where the, the war on woke culture is taking place and where being, quote unquote, woke uh, comes to die. Uh, there have been his, his efforts at reforming black history. Um, getting rid of diversity programs in public schools. Uh, you've had uh, the governor actually come out, Governor DeSantis come out and demonize things like critical race theory. Um, and at the same time, you know, uh, again, removing portions of uh, history from the history books that dealt with uh, Florida's own dark history when it came to lynchings, when it came to the displacement of Native Americans, all of this. And, and, and so it's created sort of a, a sense of, again, exhaustion, in some in some black communities. 
Well, let me ask you this, uh, nine after the top there. How much of that talk that uh, DeSantis is saying is done, being done for political expediency, how much of that is, is he trying to be a, t- a Trump light? He sees that Trump is, is, is liked a lot by a lot of folks across the country, and, and he figured he, he'll jump on the Trump bandwagon and get some of those who are not really you know, down all the way with Trump, but we see him more as a Trump. How much of that is, is political braggadocious? I, I, I'd have to say. And, and that, do you think he really is a, a stone cold racist? I'll put it that way. It's straight up in his heart of hearts. How do you see it? Well, I'll leave that last uh, question for others to, to address, but um, from where, you know, the vantage point that we have here in Florida, we're looking at uh, the fact that the governor has, of course, moved uh, the state to the right. He, he won the election uh, pretty, pretty handily uh, last year against um, uh, uh, Christie. Uh, Chris, oh, my goodness, I forgot the governor's last name. But uh, Governor Christie, uh, who, who ran years ago and, uh, and as a Republican, changed over to the Democratic Party. But um, he's, 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 in, he's put into place policies uh, on abortion that are uh, way to the right of even Donald Trump, you know, a six-week ban on abortion, uh, other issues as well, too. And political observers say that uh, he, at, at first he seemed as if he was courting uh, the former president, but now he's, he's pushed his rhetoric uh, into a place that is even to the right of uh, President Trump, former President Trump. So that's what you have. And, and, and ironically, he's struggling in the polls at this point because of all of the uh, tension that's been created or left behind uh, in Florida, according to uh, political observers. Right. 11 after the top. There. And you wrote an article in the Florida Today newspaper, your newspaper. Was was that the article that you decided to do because you heard so many, uh, I guess, uh, disenchantment uh, with the governor from uh, members of the black community? Or was it an assigned uh, job for you? Uh, in this case, it was uh, something that I discussed with uh, some of our state editors and, and said that this would be an article, a news story that I would like to do. This was this was not a one-off piece. This was something that we we had looked at and we we've noticed and and, and I put together uh, uh, you know uh, some interviews with people who uh, actually participated. One person, Rosemary McGill, participated in the civil rights movement back in uh, 1964, March side by side with Dr. King in St. Augustine um, to, to bring about change and to, to help um, foster uh, the Civil Rights Act uh, of that year. We talked to other people, business leaders. We talked to politicians, black conservatives. Uh, this was uh, uh, something I noticed, something I, you know, we sit down at dinner tables, we talk to people, and I, I felt that it was, it was a, a needed discussion uh, for the record. So, uh, I, you know, talk to the editors, work with the editors, and uh, work with everyone else. We got the article up today at floridatoday.com. If you want to, you can check it out. It, it is available. You can look at my byline, J.D. Gallup, at floridatoday.com, and you'll find the story. So, um, and, and let me know what you think as well. Right. And I think it's a must read only because of the reason, not just if you're in Florida, but anywhere across the country or outside, because, as we mentioned, DeSantis is trying to become the next president. And he's, uh, you know, trying to be like Donald Trump. If Donald Trump gets in some legal problem, then, you know, it's up for grabs with him and, and Nikki Haley and the rest of them out there. And he, he stands a good chance because he's like in the number two or three slot as we speak in the polls. So this this would give you a good indication of what black folks in Florida think about uh, Ron DeSantis. 
of all the things that he, he did, though, when we, we could come up on a break, when we come back, though, what, what is the most, the, the theme that you got the most irritated black Floridians that with DeSantis? Because you, you spoke to a lot of people all across the state, a lot of black folks all across the state. What is the, the major issue they have with Ron DeSantis? I'll let you explain that when we get back from this break. we got to check the traffic and weather together in our different cities. 13 after the top of the hour. We'll be back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're rolling on FM 95. 5.9 and AM 1450 WOL or information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with investigative reporter Jeff Gallup out of Florida. He's written a, a, a nice piece. You got to read it. I, ch- I read it myself about the black Floridians are concerned with Ron DeSantis, the governor. And Jeff went around the state and talked to black folks and, and just got their response because he felt their frustrations from a few. So he expounded it and went and see if it was just not just local, but just all across the entire state of Florida. So, Jeff, what was was there a major issue that the black folks you spoke with have with Ron DeSantis? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, several. Uh, but before we do that, just point of clarification, it was Governor, former Governor uh, Charlie Crist, uh, who ran against DeSantis uh, the last time. And uh, DeSantis defeated him handily. Uh, big, big win for the governor uh, this time around. Now, um, looking at the things that uh, Governor DeSantis has put into motion, you know, for example, um, having uh, black representation, you know, challenging black representation in the congressional districts down in South Florida, that was one. You had uh, efforts where he was uh, ridding uh, the public universities of diversity and inclusion programs, right? You had him demonize critical race theory, this whole concept uh, of uh, uh, race in America and systemic uh, uh, racism here. Uh, he targeted black history, right, in a state where we've had uh, the black Seminoles who were removed. You've had uh, Rosewood, places like that, Akoi, where you've had uh, white mobs attack and kill uh, blacks in mass. Um, probably out of everything that, that I have heard, it is that point. It is history. It seems to be one of the biggest contentions, the idea that someone uh, in government could actually control and retract and, and redefine black history uh, in this state has, has really set people off. I, w- I would say that you have about three million, four million blacks who live in the state of Florida. And, um, you know, many are, are from this area that grew up here down in Miami, uh, central Florida, and uh, they, they want their history represented in public schools, and you have a governor who comes in who talks about, uh, quote-unquote, woke politics, saying that he is going to challenge that. And then one of the first things he does is remove uh, or challenge uh, black history in the public school system. That uh, creates, uh, it, it, it creates an alert uh, in some communities. So what we've seen um, – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you this at 22 after the top there. I'm sure you spoke to, and I saw it in the article, that you spoke to some conservative blacks who, who, who like what DeSantis is, is uh, doing. Can you tell the audience about those that group? Well, uh, I wouldn't say that they, they actually like uh, you know, the particular uh, situation with history. Uh, you actually had some challenge him. Uh, they, were, they were basically pointing out the fact that, hey, look, you know, you're talking about slavery. Let's make sure that you, you include the fact that slavery was not a good thing. As you know, famously, infamously, actually, um, the state uh, was looking at saying that blacks actually benefited from uh, slavery, and, and that raised a lot of ire uh, 
uh, from historians. It, it, it just created a lot of anguish uh, with people, including some black conservatives. As you know, national uh, uh, conservative group actually challenged DeSantis on that and asked him to, to change that. Uh, the gentleman from the uh, West Coast of Florida who actually was in contention for the House speakership uh, a couple of weeks ago, right, when that situation was unfolding in, in Washington, D.C., he challenged the governor on that. And, uh, and I'm talking about U.S. Representative Byron Donald. He was a rising star in the uh, National Republican Party and a strong supporter of uh, former President Trump. He still is. And um, DeSantis, again, is challenging uh, Trump in this state. Uh, you've had other black conservative, uh, conservatives who, who also said that the governor probably needs to be a little bit more rational and, and needs to explain himself a little bit better before he puts these reforms into place. Yeah, but are they still supporting uh, DeSantis, though, even even they, they, they don't like what he said about slavery, that we benefit from slavery, uh, but they, they still won't give up on him. Could, could, they, could well, they explain that to you? Well, it's, it's a matter of party. You know, so if, if, if Donald Trump does not get the nomination and, and say it goes to uh, uh, DeSantis, uh, at this point he's, he's third place in the polls, right, second or third further down, um, they will, like all Republicans, like all Democrats, they will line up behind the candidate, obviously, and they'll support him. Um, but, yeah, Byron Donald has talked about uh, supporting Trump openly. He, whenever Trump campaigns in Florida, Byron Donald is not far uh, behind. So even though they may disagree on one issue regarding how slavery is interpreted for children and, and uh, young, young adults here in Florida you know, in the school system, they do support some of uh, DeSantis's conservative policies, other conservative policies. Yeah, but at the same time, Jeff, that, that book ban that he started is, has also prompted the uh, Floridians, especially in the churches, to start teaching our history. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, we've noticed a trend as well that across the state, across, across the state, a number of churches, a number of uh, uh, community activists have begun to teach black history to uh, the youth in their communities. Um, we have a, a gentleman here in, in Melbourne, Florida, who's doing that, Ricky Scott. Uh, he, he worked in recreation for all of these years, not an educator, not, not a trained educator, right? It doesn't have a degree in education, but he decided that, hey, look, this is going on. They're, they're challenging our history in, in public schools. We need to do something in, the, in, you know, we need to form classes. We need to teach about history, not just slavery or enslavement, but also about uh, the kingdoms in Africa, all of these things. And he's done that. And other churches have done that. Other community leaders have done that. They're, they're pulling in kids. Now, some might ask the question, why wasn't this done before? Um, well, I'll leave that to the audience to, to figure out. Yeah, well, that's good that they're doing that. Hopefully folks around the country can pick that up as well and start teaching our history in the churches or in, in any of the social centers on the weekend outside of the classroom. But i got to ask you this question, though, Jeff. Why us? Why do you think DeSantis attacked us? you got a large Hispanic contingent in the state of Florida. you got other groups in the state of Florida. Why, why, does he, why do you go after black people? Because obviously he's written off the black vote. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. 
They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, again, we have about, we have close to 3.5 million Blacks in this state. We uh, have 6 million Hispanics uh, in Florida uh, out of 22 uh, million Floridians. You, you have to ask that question. Uh, you know, when, when you look at and you talk to historians like uh, Dr. Marvin Dunn from South Florida, you, you hear about this uh, the situation where Blacks were constantly uh, challenged uh, whenever it came to having the, the right to vote, you know. Um, at the county I'm from, Brevard County, we had, a, we had two leaders here, Harry and Harriet Moore, who actually traveled the state back in the 1930s to ensure and to, to sign blacks up to vote. They were assassinated in 1951 on Christmas Day, of, of all things. Um, and, you know, of course, Florida has a huge history when it comes to lynchings. And again, I talked about Rosewood uh, and also Akoi. Akoi took place in 1920, and that dealt with voting. Blacks were going to vote for voting the presidential uh, election, and uh, whites went into that area, and they cleared out uh, the black population, and that's history. Now, is it taught in school? No. Is it, uh, is it taught uh, elsewhere? It wasn't for a long time. But see, with all of that happening, uh, people like Dr. Marvin Dunn will tell you, there's a there's a, a a trend of apathy in the black community, you know that hey look you know here's here's the vote here's what we're going to do and uh, here's what we're not going to do. You see in 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 black communities low vo- uh, voter turnout that is a constant trend that does happen. Of course, when you had President Obama run, it was different. Um, and Andrew Gillum, who ran uh, against DeSantis the first time, uh, drew a lot of people out. But, of course, ultimately he lost. So is that the answer to we need to have another black candidate to get our people in, uh, involved in politics? I can't say that. But what I would tell you is that um, it, when, when you have situations like uh, a governor who's challenging uh, black representation, right, uh, who's trying to change uh, redistricting, you know, even though he, he failed at that because of the court, um, when you have uh, black history being targeted, when you have all of these programs, uh, you create a sense of fear uh, in some of the communities. I talked to uh, the woman I told you about, Rosemary McGill, who actually marched uh, with Dr. King and St. Augustine all those years ago, 60 years ago. She went to the March on Washington, actually, as well as a teenager. She talked about the fact that, you know, that particular generation uh, did the marches. They took the, the, the rocks to the head. They took the beatings, and they got that right to vote. They went out, and they were able to successfully help people get into office and, and do all of these things. And now you have a generation a few uh, years down the line uh, where people are worried about mortgages. People are worried about uh, the bottom line. And activism is not necessarily the calling that they have. So when, when you have someone who is uh, spouting political rhetoric that is not necessarily friendly to the black community, um, some reactions might be, well, I'm just going to withdraw from the political process. In the case of Ricky Scott that I told you about, who's doing the history classes, he said instead of agonizing, he was going to organize. So it, it may be working in some areas. It may not be. We'll find out because next year is the presidential election. 
year, and will people sign up to vote? Uh, and then you also have that as well, you know, where uh, the uh, voting uh, system has been challenged, and, and Governor DeSantis has done that, and he's talked about voter, quote-unquote voter fraud. He's found a, a couple of cases here and there, um, and that is creating some tension and some fear as well uh, in, in some pockets of the black community. So uh, it, it 30 minutes after it's to, to create that apathy. All right, 30 minutes out of the top of the hour with Jeff Gallup. Jeff is an investigative reporter in Florida, and he's written a piece in the Florida Today newspaper. you got to read it, family. It talks about the, the frustrations that many in the black community in Florida have with their governor, Ron DeSantis. Let me ask you this, though, uh, Jeff. Has this prompted people more to get into politics, or, or are we just, you said some people are just apathetic, you know, just they don't, don't care about the system. They don't think it works for us. But on the other hand, is any other person or people that you know of saying, hey, I'm going to get in, I'm, if it's a city council or school board or get into those races because of what they see happening or, the, or people just sitting on their hands? Well, and, and, and there also you do see the hand of the governor uh, taking place. There have been a number of, uh, a small number, of uh, black representatives who've been removed from office for whatever particular reason that he's he's selected. And I think that's happened down in South Florida, at least one or two cases. You saw in Orlando where you had a duly elected state attorney, Monique Worrell, uh, uh, removed from office uh, because he didn't like the way she was prosecuting certain cases. And, and, and she's still protesting that. She's trying to get her, her job back. And, and he did the same thing with another uh, uh, state attorney on the West Coast. Um, so you, you have these situations that are taking place where people are being elected and then they're being challenged from the top down, right? So now there are people in, in this generation that are stepping forward, uh, probably uh, in a more fearless fashion, if, you know, observers might say, Generation uh, Z hero uh, Maxwell Alejandro Frost from the Orlando area. He's uh, in the House of Representatives and he's I think he's 26, 25, 26 years old, one of the youngest members, if not the youngest members of uh, the U.S. House. And uh, he's, he's uh, leading the way for a new generation to, to step up and uh, present uh, representation for uh, the communities here. All right, we come up on a break. We come back. A tweet. Twitter wants to know if DeSantis has done anything to retard the black vote. As, as he, it, it, I guess he's trying to refer to redistricting, if you will, and some other stuff. Maybe you can answer that question, that uh, tweet first when we get back. But we got to check the traffic, weather, and the news in some of our cities. We're back in four minutes, though, at 26 away from the top of the hour, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, the investigative reporter Jeff Gallup out of Florida. And he's done a report for his newspaper, Florida Today, and he spoke to a lot of black Floridians uh, just all across the state, members of the black community, and, and they had some concerns about Ron DeSantis. And as you know, DeSantis is trying to become the next president of the United States, so you should read this and figure out what our brothers and sisters in the state of Florida think of the man who wants to be your next president. i got a, th- a couple of, uh, two or three tweets for you, Jeff. But if we do that, let me just remind folks coming up with it's top of the hour. We're going to speak with Neely Fuller Jr. And you've got to listen very, very keenly as he's going to expand on his 
Tom on racism, white supremacy. He says racism is white supremacy. That's part of it. You got to look at the keyword system, and he uses logic to prove his points. You guys are really, really keen. That's a heads up for you folks coming up next. Tomorrow's Friday, and we will give you another chance to free your mind, think for yourself, and join us for our Open Phone Friday program again promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Don't wait till the last minute. A lot of folks wait till the last minute, and they don't get on. We always leave a lot of folks holding. So please call early so we can get you on right here, 6 a.m. Eastern time in Baltimore on 1010WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, let me give us tweets for you, Jeff. First one is Has DeSantis done anything to restrict the black vote in Florida? Well, someone some would talk about the, the fact that he formed, uh, what was that, the uh, right after the uh, situation with the, the 2020 presidential election, you know, President Trump was saying there were all types of. Uh, claims of fraud that were out there, voter fraud. Uh, Governor DeSantis went out and he formed his own um, uh, group within the state to investigate such claims. And, uh, you know, look at uh, uh, whether or not that was taking place here in Florida. So you you have a number of people who said that was just basically an act of voter intimidation. There were a number of of, of arrests, people who voted in the election. um, And it turned out that some, you know, of course, were uh, convicted felons or former felons, right? And uh, Florida had recently passed a law that allowed certain felons who qualified uh, to, to go back in and to receive and re- get their right to vote, to, to have that returned to them. Um, so with the, the formation of this investigative body in the state of Florida, some saw that as a, as a, a, a way of creating voter intimidation. Whether or not that was the governor's uh, pure intention, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but that definitely was part of the mood here in the state. If, if you wanted to vote, would someone come and arrest you uh, later? It was a, a, a big issue. And, of course, you know, there are other things that were happening in, in uh, the uh, uh, voting communities here in, in the state as well, uh, elected supervisors and, and, and removing names from roles, all of this, so different things that were taking place at the same time. All right, and that goes into our next tweet. The tweeter says something I'll just read it verbatim. Something will come next year. Guarantee the supervisory elections was at our church Sunday. They said we have to re-register for mail in voting. So something something up no matter what. Your response. I hope you understand that tweet. Right. Um, and, and what they're talking about is, again, you know, there, are some, there have been some changes with, with how uh, the, the voting, the, the voter rolls have uh, been recorded, you know, whether or not they're checking the name to – they're doing all sorts of things to kind of uh, revise those roles. People need to be very alert as to whether or not uh, they're actually registered, whether or not they're able to, to vote in partisan elections. You know, next year, again, the presidential election is coming up. Uh, you know, if you're non-affiliated, you, you can't participate. Uh, you, you need to check. You need to make sure that you're, you're able to vote. We just had, a, of course, the, the votes that were taking place yesterday, uh, excuse me, Tuesday, earlier this week. Um, but... Next year is going to be a big year. People need to check their, their voter registration cards, call in, be sure to, to make sure be sure that your name is registered with the supervisor elections so that you can participate uh, in next year's election. Um, that's what uh, you have. And then you also have people who are going around and they're registering voters as well. And, and there are some restrictions on that as well. So we, we have to kind of keep all that in mind as we go into the, the new year. All right, 16 away from the top. Yeah, Sister Denise is joining us from Richmond, Virginia. Salam alaikum, Sister Denise. You're on with Jeff Gallagher. Yes. Can you hear me? Sure. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, this is a wonderful program. Thank you, Brother Carl, for taking my call. And so wonderful to have this brother on. I always enjoy it when he comes on because very seldom you can find a journalist that really uh, will come on and speak the truth in sharing what's going on, you know, in Florida and other areas. I want to say this. Our biggest problem is fear. We have got to get over being afraid Constantly talking about what they're going to do. Now, in reference to education, because that's what I'm primarily concerned about is our babies. Please take the message back, brother. Tell these parents to open their homes up. Stop worrying about trying to put some black history in their schools, their system. They are not going to teach it. And if they do put it in there, they're not going to hide anybody like a Dr. Horn or Professor Smalls or Dr. Wesley, people like that to come in and teach our children their true history. If the parents don't know how to teach the children, you won't find it in the community because we really, we are gods. We have people who specialize in science. It's just naturally in them. Math, history, whatever. And if they don't know the history, all they got to do is attend a, a Kwanzaa program and get in contact with the culture community in Florida. We got plenty of brothers and sisters that have read books and they're very knowledgeable and they can come in and teach those classes. We got to set those history clubs back up. We have got to teach our own because separation is our only solution because we're just walking in all this fear and they're not going to let us do this. I have a program in my home. And let me tell you what they're telling black parents about black folks. This is what they're telling them. Every black child I have came in contact with, every parent, nobody told me, every black child is being told that they're reading on the first grade level. And might be true because of, you know, the absence, being out of school, and all of those things that came with the pandemic and, and such. But this little boy, a couple of my little boys that I got when I first got them, yeah, they won't read so well, but now they're on a the fourth grade level. We have to mm-hmm. teach them ourselves. We're going to have to let the white man world go. His system, mm-hmm. everything. Thank you. I'm finished, Brother Carl. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you. And yes, I love what the brother's been sharing. All right, some later. Alrighty. Have a wonderful day. Welcome, Salam, mm-hmm. Sister Denise. Uh, Jeff, your, your thoughts on what she said about teaching? Because at one point she mentioned, though, that we have to get the right folks to teach the right things. Because, you know, the people that were they teaching the students in Florida that, that, that slavery was sort of an apprentice program, that their ancestors enjoyed it. They, they're teaching them the wrong thing. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, just based on what Sister Denise said, how many of our young people believe that if they're not taught the correct, the correct issue about uh, slavery? Well, here's the thing. I talked to a young man. He was probably 17, 18. Uh, for the story, I, I can't remember if his quotes made it in, but I thought it was interesting because when I was talking to him about it, as much controversy has been out there in the air, as much discussion as there's been, he knew nothing about um, uh, what was happening when it came to reports of books that had been pulled from the shelves, uh, reports of black history being reformed. And this was an, an, an A student, right, you know, A-B student, and he was doing good. He had a, a mentor, a black mentor uh, from the community, and it was kind of a surprise. And um, uh, But, you know, fear, she mentioned the word fear. 
talking to some parents uh, about uh, this story to, to see w- why uh, there is such a contention about, you know, black history uh, not being taught in public schools, talking to them and asking, hey, uh, have you thought about uh, teaching it yourself or, or getting books? Um, you hear from some parents, not all, I'm just saying some that I've talked to, they don't know what to, to look for, what to do. And again, you're talking about parents who are working. You're talking about parents who have all types of other stressors that they're dealing with. And, um, you know, here's a child, and they're hoping that the public school system is going to educate them. And then they learn that, hey, look, uh, they're redefining what it means to be black in Florida, black in America. And uh, they're caught uh, unawares. Now, I can tell you, and uh, there are a number of books that folks can get. You can go to any bookstore and get books on black history. I think there's one by Michael Harriet that was pretty uh, interesting, Black AF History, um, kind of a play on words there. Uh, Marvin Dunn, the uh, professor I talked to, A History of Florida Through Black Eyes. Um, Any number of these books I I have on my shelf. Uh, And you have to wonder, you know, whether or not these parents can go out and and pick these books up and and will bring them back in to to have the children read. Uh, But there is a fear, you know, am I doing the right thing? Will I get the right material? Um, there is a fear there. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Could it be that the parents themselves don't know black history, so they can't teach to the children? That is, you know, look, look at look at the situation like this. Um, uh, a lot of people are trained through public universities, public schools, and, um, you know, do they take African-American history courses? I know, for example, at the, one of the universities here, uh, we had a professor who was teaching uh, African-American history, and it drew very little interest from the black students, from uh, some of the white students. And so the course is on hold. So what does that tell you? You know, you, you, you're you going to a public university and you're not taking the courses or you're not taking them in, in, in enough numbers that that course can be sustained. Uh, and, of course, then there's public school. Um, I, Dr. Marvin Dunn tweeted a few days ago about uh, – uh, a black history book that he, or excuse me, a, a history book he found uh, in the state, a public school book. And it didn't mention Dr. King. It didn't mention uh, the, the displacement of black Seminoles or, or the Trail of Tears. And Florida is rich with this history. So um, it, it does raise some eyebrows. Do they know about their own history? And, and 10 away from the top of the hour, and another tweeter wants you to discuss the homeowner's insurance. I think these are folks who listen to us in Florida. The person goes on to say, if DeSantis hasn't lifted a hand to help, but has taken money from the homeowner's insurance lobby. Is there a problem there, Jeff? Well, what I would tell you is this, that's not my particular area of, um, uh, of investigation. I will say this, that there is a crisis dealing with homeowner's insurance here in Florida. That's a fact. That is a fact. You've had some people uh, who've seen their payment double uh, when it comes to home, homeowners insurance. Insurance companies have been fleeing Florida, and uh, there are like one or two major insurance companies that are now writing and underwriting these policies. Uh, in the meantime, the governor, and this is, this is not a criticism, this is an observation. In the meantime, he's, he's uh, passed laws or he's signed laws uh, about uh, uh, LGBT, don't say gay, uh, He's talked about reforming black history. Uh, he's talked about uh, congressional uh, redistricting down in South Florida, all of these different elements uh, uh, that he's, he's put on the table. But there have been no special sessions that you can point to and say, hey, 
here's something on homeowners insurance, uh, what has been done to relieve uh, some of the pressures that are taking place. Now, you mentioned about people uh, leaving the state or coming to the state. They're going to face those homeowners insurance policies. Uh, In most cases, if you have a mortgage, something you have to have insurance. And that insurance is, again, double what it was two, three years ago. There are people leaving the state of Florida because of that situation, dealing with uh, the expenses. And it's not just homeowners insurance, but there are other expenses, uh, non-state taxes, if you want to look at it, non-state tax issues that are taking place that are making it more and more expensive to pay in the state of Florida. So, uh, yeah, that is a that is an issue. All right, we're going to have a break real soon. We will come back, folks. We're discussing Jeff Gallup. He's an investigative reporter. He's a journalist working out in Florida. And he spoke to a lot of black folks in Florida, and they're really concerned with Ron DeSantis. As you know, DeSantis is, is running a close second or third behind Donald Trump, is trying to become the next president. So we should be aware of what's going down with DeSantis and our brothers and sisters in Florida. You can read the you can read the story, by the way. When we come back, we'll let Jeff tell you about that. Also, Jeff, when we come back, because we talked about book, but one time, didn't you have a, a, a black book drive or something like that maybe you can expound on that when we get back but we've got to take a quick break and check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in baltimore as well folks you want to join this conversation with jeff gallup reach out to us at 800-450-7876 your phone calls in four minutes right here in baltimore on 1010 wolb and also in the dmv on fm 95.9 and am 1450 wol where information is power And good morning again, family. Minute after the top of the hour with investigative reporter Jeff Gallup, brother Neely Fuller Jr. is on deck. We'll get to Mr. Fuller in a moment. But uh, Jeff, you, we talked about the little uh, book drive that you have. Before you do that, though, Dante in Baltimore has a question for you. He's on line one. Dante, good morning. You're on with Jeff Gallup. Good, good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Oh, good, good, good. So um, first, first and foremost, um, I, I appreciate what you guys do. But I'm I'm really appalled that the the, the 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 ignorance of of our people and not understanding that because um, I'm I'm phrasing this question to you is like what do we need to do in a sense to wake up? But the reality of it is, if if I were hanging with a mobster or a murderer or a rapist, then my affiliation would be that of the person that I'm hanging with. Why is it that we as black people don't have enough common sense to understand? If Ron DeSantis is affiliated with Donald Trump, a man who they asked directly, would you denounce bigotry, racism, so on and so forth? And he said, stand back, proud boys, stand up, so on and so forth. Everything else that they do is kind of to, to, to destroy our people or, or ostracize us. But we as black people are still trying to find a way to vote Republican. Like, really, it's, it's just so it's so absurd that it's just getting kind of stupid. And we don't want to focus on the the reality of um, the algorithms. We want to look at Sexy Red, which is one of the rap artists and things like that. They know how to keep us distracted. So my question is, in a sense, with you coming on here doing this in the morning, I guess we only have our Radio 1 people, how do we get to a a larger mass of, of, of people, in a sense, outside of continuously talking to people and things of that nature? Why is it that we as Black people aren't waking up to understand? Like It's almost common sense. If I were to tell most of the hood guys, 
something negative to do, they would be able to figure it out and research it. But I tell them about Donald Trump, and they really look at me as if, like, I mean, but he has money. And they, their answers are so um, infantile that it's just almost like, dang, did they dumb us down that bad that we don't understand politics, but we can understand how to chemistry form drugs. We can understand how to put a switch on a gun and make it shoot automatic. We can figure out all the things that are negative, but we can't take the moment to figure out the things that are putting us in a, in a bad situation, like, like uh, uh, CRT, critical race theory. If you walk up to the average blackout nowadays, they don't know what CRT is. They changed the word, and it, and, it, and, it, and it has us stuck because none of us understand, I do, but none of us understand the new terminology of what they're saying, of how you're breaking down CRT and so on and so forth. So I just say, how do we um, kind of re-dumb down the, the way that they're driving us into a hole and we're not picking up on it. How, how do we do All that? Right. And really, Thanks, Dante. Good, good question. I'll pose that to Mr. Fuller as well. But go ahead, Jeff. You're, I'll give okay. you a shot at it. So, yeah, I would say, you know, just listening to your, your comments, a lot of um, very interesting observations. Um, you, you, you raised a lot of issues. You talked about Sexy Red, um, who is a very popular rap artist down here in Florida. Uh, and she has made some pro-Trump statements. Now, you, you want to talk about who people are listening to. Are they listening to Dr. Marvin Dunn, a uh, prominent historian, black historian here in Florida, or are they listening to people like Sexy Red? And Sexy Red is an influencer. And, and she made a couple of comments about Trump's support. And keep in mind that, you know, if they're black Republicans, um, uh, just as well, blacks are not a monolith. You know, Governor DeSantis even won, I think, I believe he had 13% of uh, the uh, voter turnout from blacks uh, in the last election. So Sexy Red talked about Donald Trump, and quote, this is what she said. There's an article in Rolling Stone magazine where she said, uh, yeah, they support Trump in the hood, right? And she talked about it first. She didn't think people were messing with him, but she then makes a reference to the PPP loans that came through. And she talked about, just to paraphrase, how, you know, when Trump was in office, people received money. Well, you could take it for what it's worth. Those are her statements. You know, um, and, and there were a lot of things happening during COVID, and, and PPP loans were going out uh, to people who, quote, unquote, qualified, right? And, and now you're, you're having that whole process um, uh, looked at thoroughly. But there is support for uh, some of the policies, conservative policies, right, uh, right of center policies from uh, people like former President Trump and also Governor DeSantis. There is support in the black community for it, and you have to – really drill down to find out why. I am curious about that, and that is something that I would like to, to, to look at. Um, and talking to, again, some of the people who live history, they talk about a fear uh, in, in the black community. They talk about people who have been worn down by day-to-day -day life, paying bills, paying, you know, making sure the kids get to Little League, uh, uh, football practice, all of these things. In other words, just, just being day-to-day -day Americans. Um, so, there are all types of questions, you know, whether or not uh, they can go to classes uh, to learn this history. You pay your taxes to make sure the roads run smooth. You pay your taxes to make sure the kids can go to school. Are they getting the education that you want them to, to receive? And then that's where some folks will come back and say, parents need to participate in the system. Just like you need to go to planning and zoning committees to find out you know, if there's a liquor store coming to the community or uh, another uh, business coming to the community, you need to go to the school board meetings, right? Um, one thing that uh, uh, observers, political observers have talked about is how the Republican Party has actually 
localized uh, politics. They've gone into the school boards. They've gone into the planning and zoning committees. They've done all of this, and they're building up their base from those, from those areas. And that's why their policies, uh, from what people have observed, seem to be taking hold and seem to be catching some people by surprise. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, they're, they're doing it at the grassroots level. But Jeff, before we let you go, and we're going to ask some of these questions to Neely Fuller Jr. as well. Before we let you go, though, how can we read that article? Because I think, folks, if you're concerned about what's happening to this country, because Ron DeSantis may be the next president, I mean, he's trying his best. This article gives you an indication because Jeff interviewed a lot of our brothers and sisters across the state of Florida where he's the governor, and they had some concerns about Ron DeSantis. But I think folks need to read the article, Jeff. So how can they do that? Uh, they can go to Florida Today, uh, floridatoday.com. We're in the Gannett family, the USA Today family network. You can go there. You can look up the story. Um, you can look up my name, my byline, J as in Jeff, D as in David, Gallup. Um, you can also uh, check out uh, Florida Today at, at Twitter or X as it's now known. Um, and also a quick point of clarification. I mentioned that about the homeowner's insurance. You know, again, that is not my particular area. There is a special session taking place. And the discussion on homeowners insurance is, is going on. But uh, from what I'm understanding, there's no expectation of any major legislation uh, to come through. Uh, they're talking about hurricane relief funds or uh, providing grants to homeowners for, for certain repairs, but nothing to uh, really get down into the fact that you know, homeowners insurance policies have doubled in some cases. So you have that. And, and, and if I could, uh, the Little Black Book Drive, uh, I must make sure that everyone understands that that's something separate that I do. It's a passion project for me. Um, I am working with two remarkable women uh, who are taking uh, uh, the lead roles in, in this. One is Linda Hudson. She's down here in Florida. Uh, you may know her. And then the other is Rolanda Hatcher-Gallop, who is my wife. Um, and they basically, we, we are providing free books to uh, youth here in Brevard County, the Space Coast. Uh, and they, they deal with black history. They deal with STEM. And, uh, again, any organization, if they call us up and say, hey, we need 50 books, we have them. We can provide them. We, uh, they also, Linda Hudson is uh, in charge of uh, taking in donations along with Rolanda. I don't deal with the donations directly. Her phone number is 954-410-1791. So, again, my role in this is, is, is to, to be uh, an advocate for literacy. Um, this is a nonpartisan group. We do this separately, and it's it's really a passion project uh, for all three of us. Uh, again, her number nine five four four one zero seventeen ninety one. Uh, good to hear that. You know, and somebody wanted to ask you about artificial intelligence, so we'll talk about that uh, next time, Jeff, because 
if black reporters like yourself being obsolete, you know, and they turn it over to artificial intelligence, AI, uh, chat GPT to write stories about our community, we got some major problems, but we'll deal with that next time. But thank you for sharing all this information this morning. Thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity. All right, that's Jeff Gallup. He's an investigative reporter in Florida. He works for Florida Today. Florida Today, by the way, was the, the front runner for USA Today. That's how it started. It's a US, a Florida Today, then it expanded to USA Today. Most people are familiar with the USA Today newspaper. Anyway, 10 after the top of the hour. Good morning, Neely Fuller Jr. How are you feeling, sir? Good morning. I'm still learning. Good to hear that. Mr. Fuller. The, one of our callers called in and, and talked about some black people have this this affiliation, this affinity for, for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has told them straight up he doesn't like them. What is going on here? Does this have anything to do with what you talk about, the system of racism and white supremacy? Is, that, is it at work here or is this something totally different? Well, everything that I talk about is about white supremacy because everything that I see going on, in all areas of activity, each and every day. And what are these areas of activity? Economics, how people use their time and energy, education, learning things, uh, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Now, these are what I call the nine areas of people activity. Everybody, everywhere on the planet, is engaged in one or more of these areas of activity every minute of their existence on planet Earth. There's only so many things that people are engaged in. So I look around each and every day, and I segmented, I don't even say divided, segmented these categories just for clarity. Uh, starting with in alphabetical order, economics. First of all, we're talking about words here, and that's what we need to get in the habit of, having people explain each and every word that they use. That's how you get clarity. That's how you get things done. That's how you eliminate confusion. Because what we call education is just the process of eliminating confusion. I don't think we have thought about that in that context, the second area of activity. What is education? What exactly is education? And when can you actually say that a person, any person, is educated? And then you sit back and wait on the answer. When exactly is any person anywhere so-called educated? We talk about getting education, getting education, going to school, getting an education. We need a good education. Well, what's a bad education? What makes up an education? When can a person actually say, I'm educated? I just made a statement just a few minutes ago. How am I? 
most people will say, I'm good, man. You know, black people and white people. Am I actually good? What am I saying? What did I say when I was asked that just a few minutes ago on this program? I said, I'm still learning. And where's the reason behind that? Where's the logic behind Neely Fuller saying that? He's still learning? Yes. I'm still learning. I'm not good. I don't even know what that is. I have to learn what good is. The whole world needs to learn that. Because it doesn't seem that we know it. Our so-called educations. Are we in a good situation? We, meaning who? Anybody. Well, is the world good? Is all this killing going on every day? I mean, making body counts everywhere on the planet, in every tribe, in every so-called country, in every so-called political party. What are you talking about? You're doing good. Look at the body count. Just on that alone, nobody has bragging rights. Do we ever think about that? Nobody. But here we are, some of us, talking about the next parade we're going to have. See, we need to think in depth about each and every moment that we are given to breathe air on this planet. And that's everybody on the planet. Nobody has bragging rights about anything. Just on one thing alone, the murder rate. Whether it's in Philadelphia, Brazil, Kenya, Palestine, murder. We know more about that than we know about anything. Even in a world that's supposed to be full of educated people. Don't give me the stuff about educated, educated people. Any educated people anywhere, and you ask one question. What's the murder rate? Because it's supposed to be zero. We even got this thing of you know, educated people. Uh, T. Well, hold that thought right there, Mr. Fuller. We got to take a yeah. quick break here. I'll, I'll let you continue the explanation after this break. I was just so caught up in what you were saying. I forgot to look through the time. First, we got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities. We're back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB in the DMV, Run FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. 23 minutes after the top of the hour, with Neely Fuller Jr. We're discussing racism and white supremacy. Many of you already know, he's told me, that if you don't understand how the system of racism and white supremacy works and all that entails, then everything else that you think you understand will only serve to confuse you. So you got to listen very, very keenly what Neely Fuller is saying. He uses logic to prove his points. And do me a favor and call up a couple of your friends and tell them Neely Fuller's on the radio. They'll thank you for it. Mr. Fuller, I'll let you finish your thought. Yes. So, so I just focus on one word, education, just to give an illustration of 
the importance of words. People say, well, he's a conservative. Okay, boom, stop right there. What is a conservative? What exactly, worldwide, every minute of every day, is a person who is a conservative? And don't move from, never move to the second question before the first question has been asked and answered. Answered, asked and answered before you move to the second question. Never move from that first question until that first question has been answered and understood. Because people sometimes will so-called answer questions and talk for an hour. And I've been caught up in that. I have to watch that all the time. And I'm guilty of it. On Carl Nelson's program, I've been guilty of it. It's so easy to do. You use a whole lot of words, but you did not answer the question. And the question is, worldwide, for everybody, what is a conservative? What exactly is a conservative that makes a conservative different from everybody else on the planet? That's how you ask the question. If you want to ask it, that's how I would ask it. Somebody mentioned conservative. What's a conservative? So that everybody will be on the same page. See, that's where we have a serious problem. We just throw words out by the bucket full all day long, just buckets of words. And then everybody's scratching their head wondering what's being said. And no wonder, no wonder. Why? Because nothing is being described in detail. Like what does a conservative do that nobody else on the planet does? And you answer that question before you move to the second question, if there's going to be a second question. Because that first question has got to be answered first, so that everybody understands the answer. That's another thing. And that's something I've made a mistake of on every program I've been on, because it's so easy to do. Someone asks you a question, and you don't get nowhere near. I've done it on the Carl Nelson show, and nobody seems to catch it. And I've told people, always watch for the person. You ask a question, and people answer, or, or rather they respond. I've got to get those words straight. Neely Fuller will respond to the question. Respond. Responding is not giving an answer. That's a response. I just start saying something. They say, Paul, I ask you what's a conservative. Did you answer that question? 
Yes or no. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And a whole lot of times, I think about what I said, and the answer is no. I didn't answer that question at all. Didn't come nowhere near. And the white supremacists of this planet are masters at sounding like they are answering your question when they came nowhere near the neighborhood. But they said a lot. Oh, they talked for an hour. They didn't answer your question. So you got to always, I tell people, write your question down. And then when you hear all that response that sometimes goes on for two hours, and I've timed it sometimes, and the person didn't come nowhere near. They talked for two hours. They came nowhere near to answering your question. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Because that question was raised just before I came on as my part of today's presentation on the Carl Nelson show. It has happened already. And I have participated in it. So much so that I was caught up in it, and I have forgotten what Mr. Carl Nelson asked me just a few moments ago. And this is happening all over the world. That's in response to one of the callers that I heard calling in on the Carl Nelson show this morning. And they were talking about Mr. Donald Trump like Mr. Carl Nelson asked me about Mr. Donald Trump. I haven't mentioned Mr. Donald Trump and been talking for, what, the last 10 minutes in answer to Mr. Carl Nelson's question. See, this can happen right before your eyes. You're standing there looking at it or listening to it, and you don't even know what's going on. unless. You train yourself to do that. You become educated in doing that. Education is not just about throwing words around. What is a conservative? And somebody just say anything. And everybody else is just nodding like they understand what's being said. When the question needs to be what? Answer. Uh, ask again 
because you can tell the person if you're really on your toes. Sir, ma'am, you haven't answered my question or the question. See, it's not personal. Not my. Watch words. It's not my question. That's the question. The question for the whole world. What's a conservative? Well, I mean, three hours of talk and didn't come nowhere near answering the question that was asked. That's another thing. Everybody talks fast. Even back in the country, I mean, years ago, country people who have, they're close to nature. Sometimes they would say, them city slickers, they talk fast, but they ain't saying nothing that you can understand. You got to slow them down. That's number one. Everybody is a super rapper. Man, talking, I mean, at breakneck speed. But what did the person say that took root and got the constructive results that all talking is supposed to get? How about that, Buzzball? Conserve that, Buzzball. That anytime you say something, it's supposed to be something that people can use forever to get constructive results. So that's the whole point for talking. Now, getting back to the question, Mr. Donald. Hold, hold, that, hold that response right there, Mr. Fuller. We've got to take another short break, and we'll get back to the question why blacks are supporting Donald Trump. We'll get to your thoughts and explain that. How it works in with your theory of racism, white supremacy. Folks, you've got to listen very keenly. Mr. Fuller uses logic to prove his points. We'll get back to him in a moment, though. If you want to have a question, raise your hand and dial us up at 800-450-7876. To speak to Mr. Fuller. Take your phone calls after the news, traffic, and weather right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And also in the DMV. V on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with Neely Fuller Jr. You know him from his, his tome on racism, white supremacy. He says racism is white supremacy. He's going to expound on it momentarily. Let me just remind you that tomorrow's Friday. Of course, you all know that. We give you another chance to free your mind and think for yourself and join us for our Open Phone Friday program. We're promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM. 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Mr. Fuller, you're about to explain to us about why you think some blacks are attracted to Donald Trump, even though they know him being uh, his reputation. Let me just put it there. I've got to be careful with my words now speaking with you. Uh, if you can explain that for us, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I have to talk about what I know. Uh, so I've heard that, but do I know it? I have to ask myself that question. Everything in education, everything in growth, everything in everything is about cause and effect. And how do you find out the cause 
of anything. Since the entire universe is run on cause and effect, including just a conversation, that's a cause, and it has an effect. A conversation has an effect, because there's a cause that causes the effect. So that's that's just universal law, which black people have to tap into as a solution to everything that we need or say we need, because that applies to everybody. But the white supremacists teach black people not to be logical, not to think about cause and effect. So what is cause and effect? Well, for one thing, you're notified that there is a cause when you think about anything. There's something that caused that. Why Why did you think about that? And then you want to know after you answer that question, and you never move to the second question without answering the first. What is cause? Well, cause is something starts that wasn't there before. Okay, how about that? For an answer to that question. Okay, we'll we'll roll with that for the time being. The cause. And then what is the effect? Well, it comes from whatever the cause was. He struck a match to a pan of gasoline. That match striking was the cause. The cause of what? The cause of the effect. What came after? Well, it was a big explosion. Well, now we learned something. Gasoline and a struck match, a pan full of gasoline, and you walk up on it, strike a match, throw it in that pan full of gasoline. And that caused what? A big fire right quick. So you know you learn from that, cause and effect. So getting back to Mr. Trump, when you approach Mr. Trump, I would say, how best to approach Mr. Trump? Well, what do you want if you're approaching him? He's not approaching you, but you're approaching him. Well, evidently, you wanted to approach him. Okay, that's the answer to that question. You wanted to do that. Why did you want to approach Mr. Donald Trump? Because you think, and answer to the question, that's why I would approach him. I want something from him. That's why I'm approaching him, and I'm not approaching a panda at the zoo. I'm approaching Mr. Trump. I'm I'm trying to get his attention. Why are you trying to get Mr. Trump's attention for? Answer the question. And don't move to, you know, get me confused about start talking about something else until you answer that question. Never move from the question that you ask. Well, I want to talk to him. Talk to him about what? Well, about what I want. When people usually approach you, logically speaking, using universal logic, they want something from you. 
Which way is the gas station? Whatever. Okay, stay on the point for a while. You're approaching Mr. Trump. You hold up your hand when he's coming by. Mr. Trump, I want to talk to you. Yes. What? 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 I don't have a lot of time to talk, but what? What? What do you want me to talk to you about, uh, Mr. Black, Mr. Negro, Mr. Color? About my problem. Okay. What's your problem? I'm just giving a hypothetical now, running through how what we call logic, which everybody. And on the planet is supposed to tap into, it's always there. What's the logical process? And so then I ask my question. Why am I asking him this question? And he will give me an answer, even if the answer is, I'm not talking to you. But you don't find this out until you ask. And don't ask, you know, don't don't say what I think he will say. Ask him what, what it is you want. If you want something, otherwise don't bother people. That's another part of what I call the code of, of, of logic. Don't bother people unless you want to talk to them about something. That's going, and when you finish talking, it's going to produce what? According to logic, a constructive result. Otherwise, you don't say one word to anybody on the planet at all. Getting back to Mr. Trump and nearly for having a conversation. Because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm having a conversation with Mr. Trump, even though he's probably is not listening, but I'm telling everybody that that's what I would have to say to Mr. Donald Trump, according to what? What I'm advocating that everybody do, based on logic. Just ask him about what it is you want to talk to him about. Usually it's going to, I think, it's going to be that you want him to do something for you that you need done. Otherwise, according to logic, you don't have any business talking to him at all or wanting to. But you, you know, so far, from what I've heard him say, he wants to be president. So you just add up the things he has said so far about what he will do for you. It's not complicated. You don't have to scratch your head about it. What's his track record? You don't ask anybody else except him or someone who has looked at the track record and relays that to you if you don't know it. He was there four years as a representative of you. Now, did he? Or didn't he? I mean, that's, that's the question. 
Every question has an answer. That's how the universe is run. Questions and answers. There's never been a problem that's been solved that didn't start with a question. Start with the question and get an answer. That's the formula. With Mr. Trump or with anybody that you encounter for the rest of your days in the known universe where you're breathing. Just ask questions and get answers to your questions from the person who has the answer and is willing to give it to you. And that's how all problems are solved, all so-called progress, all finding out what a conservative is, questions and answers. Problem solving. It's all about questions and answers. Just ask. Ask. Don't just stand there looking at the person and scratching your head. Just walk over to them and say, it's today, Thursday, or Wednesday. Every question has an answer, even if the answer is what? I don't know. That's the answer to the question from that person. I don't know. So you ask somebody what? Who does know? Just keep asking. Well, I don't know who to ask. Well, ask whomever you think may have the answer. Start there. Duh. That's pure logic. And see, I'm trying to cover everything right now. Well, and hold a thought right there, Mr. Fuller. Hold a thought right there. Because uh, Charles III in, in Washington, D.C. has a question for you. He says it's a really good question. Charles, good morning. You're with Neely Fuller, Jr. Hey, Mr. Fuller. I appreciate you taking my call and Brother Carl also. Uh, my question for Mr. Fuller is, Mr. Fuller, can you tell me the difference between the white supremacist and a conservative and the difference between a white supremacist and a liberal. And if there isn't much difference, why are we using those terms? I don't know. That's an excellent question. Because the white, I, I know this, what I'm saying I can't tell you the difference between a conservative and a liberal because I don't know what that means. And I've written that in my books that you can go to producejustice.com and get. But I do know what a white supremacist is. A white supremacist. Right. Hold a thought right there, Mr. Fuller. Yeah, hold a thought, Mr. Fuller. And Charles, stay with us if you have a follow-up because we're going to take right. this short break here. It's six minutes away from the top of the hour. And the Neely Fuller Jr. is our guest. Call up a couple of your friends and tell them the Neely Fuller is on the radio. They'll thank you. You understand how the system of racism and white supremacy works. You get a case right here. Anyway, we got to step aside and get caught up with the traffic and weather and the news in Baltimore right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Or information is power.
And good morning again, family. A minute after the top of the hour, nearly full of junior, you know, nearly full of junior, discussing racism, white supremacy, the system of racism, white supremacy. If you'd like to get in, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. By the way, this is all contained in his book, and the short uh, uh, title of his book is called The Code, but he'll give you the full title, and you can get a copy. It's a workbook, so you can go through it and you understand how the system of racism, white supremacy works, because you hear people talking about white supremacy, white supremacy, but they don't really understand what, what it is. Nearly full of is the one who coined that phrase. So right now he's breaking it down for us. Before we left, we were speaking with Charles coming from Washington, D.C. So, Mr. Fuller, you're responding to Charles's question about what is a, a white supremacist, was a conservative, a liberal, and those terms. So I'll let you finish your response. Yes, and my answer was, I don't know, which is the answer to most questions. So, during the break, the commercial break on this is the Carl Nelson Show. I have a part of the textbook, what I call the code book that I have written, that you can get by going to producejustice.com. And in the Word Guide, on page 70, since I didn't know, I answered that question. Knowing means what? Using that word, no. That you learn something and you think about it and come to some type of conclusion and you refer to it if you can remember. So I hadn't remembered that I had put something about conservative on page 70 of the word guide that I have written. So I looked it up, and I'm looking at it now. Conservative. And then in parenthesis, I have general, the general use of the word conservative. It's written by me now. And it says, use this term, the term conservative, generally speaking, to use this term to apply to one whom who speaks and or acts to save and or protect any person, place, thing, etc. I'm gonna say that again. This is a directive. Uh, instruction, a code, you might say, compensatory code, which is what I write. The word conservative, in general, you use this term, if you're going to use it, to apply to one who speaks, meaning this is a person who speaks, this is a conservative in general, and or acts to save and or protect any person, place, thing, etc. In other words, you're going to save and or protect a person if you're a conservative, a place, or a thing. A conservative basically is a protector. 
of a person, a place, or a thing. That's why you're conserving it. You're protecting it. When others use this term, now you're given another directive. You give it that definition first, then you give a directive. And it says here, with something I wrote, page 70 in the Word Guide, for those who have it, when others use this term, ask for a detailed explanation that you can easily understand. And I have a lot of that written in this book about always asking for a detailed explanation. If a person uses the word conservative, don't just start a long conversation about it. I mean, and nobody has given in detail exactly what a conservative is. And if you're really going to go into detail, what a conservative isn't. This should be you should cover everything about that before you go into any kind of details about anything else. Connected, unconnected, distantly connected with the word conservative. First find out what is a conservative. Ask these questions. When others use this term, it says here, this is something I wrote. But I don't remember many thousands of things that I have written. So I'm just reading what I wrote, and it still stands, in my opinion. When others use this term, ask for a detailed explanation. This term, what? This term, conservative. Ask for a detailed explanation that you like the caller, can easily understand. So I gave you one, mine, so that I know what I'm doing. A conservative to me is a person, a person, first of all, who protects any person, place, or thing. Protects. That's what a conservative is, a person that protects. Protects it from being destroyed. Protects it from harm. Then I have another definition right under that one. Conservative. Racial. The first definition was general. Now here's the conservative, and in parenthesis I have racial. Use this term to apply to a white person who speaks and our acts to maintain white supremacy by any effective means, directly or indirectly. Period. I'm going to say it again. Conservative, parenthesis, racial, not general, but racial. Use this term to apply to a white person who speaks and or acts 
to maintain white supremacy by any effective means, directly or indirectly. And then I put a period behind that. Then as an instruction to a victim of white supremacy or to a non-white person, always ask questions when the word conservative is used. And the question you would first ask is, what is a conservative? And the next logical question, what isn't a conservative? Those questions have answers. You want to know the answers before you start this long conversation that's going to lead, in my opinion, to a whole lot of confusion, a lot of talk, but a whole lot of confusion because of what? You're using a word that nobody has agreed is, you know, on the, on the definition of the word. That's the first thing you do in any conversation. Agree on the definitions, regardless of who you're talking to. What does that word mean? You're going to use the word liberal? What's a liberal? What does a liberal do? That's the next question after you answer the first one. What is a liberal? Then, after you get that answer to that question, and it might take 50 days to answer that question, what's a liberal? Then the next logical question is, what does a liberal do that nobody else does? That's the next question. And there's an answer to that question. But you've got to first ask the question. What does a what is a liberal first? And then the next logical question is, what does a liberal do that nobody else does? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. That's a distinctive word. Now, I hope I'm answering the question of the person that asked me. All right. Well, 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 hold on, Mr. Fuller, because he's still there. Charles, did that answer the question yeah. for you? Well, 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 partially, because the question was really how do they differ from a white supremacist? Now, you said the conservative is to maintain, and I and you didn't define the liberal, but I would assume the liberal is to maintain also, but just with different methods. So if their end result is the same, then that it is to maintain 
the system of white supremacy, there really isn't a difference, and they're used only to deceive and confuse. And if you can comment on that, and I'll take the uh, comment off the air, and I appreciate your work and your work too, Brother Carl. Thank you. Well, yes. I mean, therefore, the only thing I want to know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a, a, a constructive, because that's what all of this talk is really all about. What's the best way to handle that? And this is the best way I would say this whole question of conservative, liberal. That's a long way around. Of course, there's another part of the code. That's what I call what I write that says, because a part of the code is you try to get to the point as fast as you can, too, when you're having a conversation but not without losing what you're having the conversation for. So I would say the best way to approach that, conservative, liberal, et cetera, et cetera, is just to say, what I want to know is, are you, sir, if I'm talking to a white person, are you a white supremacist? Yes or no? Because I'm going to give them a lead on, I mean, in how to answer the question. I'm requesting. I'm making a request. I'm not demanding anything. Sir, are you a white supremacist? Yes or no? Now, I ask two questions there. And I want to answer to the first question first. That's the order. Always, always. You don't deviate from that. And wait for the answer. But you give them a lead in with that second question, yes or no. Because those are the two questions that you're going to ask. All right. I hold that thought like that, Mr. Fuller. We've got to take a quick break here. And let's see. Yes. Go right ahead. And we'll take a break. I'll let you finish that thought. We've got some more folks got questions for you. Interesting conversation with Neely Fuller Jr. You want to join us? 800-450-7876. Explaining his concept of racism, white supremacy. He says racism is white supremacy. And he says if you don't understand how it works, then everything else that you think you understand only serves to confuse you. So you're listening very, very keenly because he uses logic, cause and effect to prove his points. So eventually we've got to step aside and get caught up on the traffic and weather in our different cities. We'll be back in four minutes at 14 after the top of the hour, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with Neely Fuller Jr. Neely Fuller expounding on his tome on racism and white supremacy. I mentioned you can hear folks talk about white supremacy. They really don't understand what it is, or they don't use it in the vernacular that Mr. Fuller and Dr. Wilson use it. This is why he's explaining to us how the system of racism and white supremacy works. Uh, Mr. Fuller, I'm going to let you finish your response to, to, I think, Charles's call. We've got a bunch more folks got questions for you. Yes, everything that we do on, in uh, counter-racist science is supposed to uh, have the aim of replacing the system of white supremacy with the system of justice, which means guaranteeing, justice means guaranteeing that no person is mistreated and guaranteeing that the person that needs help the most 
gets the most constructive help. And this is at all times and all circumstances, anywhere in the known universe. And if you don't achieve that, you you, you should still be working on it. And so you want to get there by whatever means will get you there the fastest and the most efficient way. So in this particular conversation about conservatives and liberals and white supremacists, just get to the point as fast as you possibly can. So I would say, if it came up, what's the difference between a conservative and a liberal within the context of racism? Well, you can go that route of trying to sort that out, and you will get different opinions, most likely, uh, from different people. But what is recommended and what I'm recommending to the caller, because that's what the code book is supposed to do, make the best recommendation. Don't even bother with that. And when other people bring it up, just ask them what the words mean so you can at least know what that person says from their opinion. Because it means different things to different people. Conservative, liberal, different things to different people. Because people, I have heard people say there's an agreed-upon definition. So we're talking about white supremacy. So I would say... And this is what I do myself and what I recommend everybody else do. Don't bother with that about liberal races or conservative races. You're just talking about style. What you want to know is, is the person a racist? That's, that should be my recommendation based on logic. Sir or ma'am, are you? a white supremacist and wait for an answer. And the answer, that's an answer that should be not a person going into a long monologue or dialogue or conversation about liberal and conservative. Just, sir, and, and, and do it. Actually do it. If you don't accomplish anything, you just say, wait a minute, I want to know something. I want to get something straight here. If you'll permit me, ask for permission to speak on this particular thing. And if you're given permission to speak in a conversation around a conference table, you can do it on the job. Sir, ma'am, are you a white supremacist? And then sit back and fold your hands and wait on the answer. Just do it. Just do it. That's what the code is about, doing things and being straight to the point. Straight up. There's an answer to that question. And you can even spread it around. Fifteen people at that table. And you're the only black person, say, for instance, as an example. I'm giving an example now. So I'm talking about doing things. And the person is speaking. And you can call her by name. I mean, uh, uh, and always be polite. You don't have to pound the table and all that drama. 
be polite. You're having a conversation. And you just want to know things. You want answers to questions. That's what it's all about. Getting answers to questions. That's how, that's how all problems are solved. A computer problem. You get an answer to a question. A plumbing problem. An answer to a question. The person comes in the door with his plumbing equipment, for example. And what? Ma'am, what's the problem? That's a question. You say, I have a serious leak in the kitchen sink, the faucet, and, 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 and under the sink. There's water all over the place. That's the problem. That's the answer to the question. What's the problem? So if you're trying to solve a problem on the job, what's the problem? And if it's a race problem, the person doing the talking, if you see that it's essential to do so, that's the first thing you... Miss Grundley. Miss Grundley. May I ask you a question right here on this job that's very important for us to move forward? Can I ask the question at this particular meeting? Or should I have to wait later on? Can I ask the question now? And if Ms. Grundy says, yes, you can ask me anything you want to ask, then you say, Ms. Grundy, are you a white supremacist? And then push your chair back and wait for the answer. That's all. That's what I would do this morning, anywhere, if the question came to my mind and I thought it was essential to ask the question. Nobody should get angry or anything like that. That's a question that has to do with the business we do here. And we want to know who's who. If that's essential to know who we're dealing with, am I dealing with a racist or not? Yes or no? That's another question. And it doesn't call for people getting angry or anything like that. And a person can say it. Well, I don't think that's an appropriate question uh, for this particular seminar. Well, a person can say that. Then you can ask a question since. If I ask the question, and then a person say my question is inappropriate, I will ask another question. Why is, or why do you, Mr. Green, think that my question is inappropriate when I think my question is appropriate? That's a question. And then he can tell me. And I'm not getting angry about that. I'm giving illustrations here for black people the way we're always saying how to move forward. You move forward with questions and answers. That's the answer to that question. How do you move forward? Anybody who's going to get anything done and it gets done in the computer world or anything else, it's going to get done through what? Questions and answers. And that's the law of the universe that, that, that applies to Neely Fuller and any other blabbermouth.
questions and answers will get you there. It ain't All personal. Right. It's business. Business. 30 after the top there, Mr. Fuller. Eric in Forestville has a question for you. He's on line three. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Mr. Nelson, and it's a pleasure in a, to talk to you, Dr. Neely Fuller. Uh, just two questions. Why do black people uh, get distracted uh, with other, so much stuff that's going on here in the United States and not realize that this what we call white, Anglo-Saxon, or Caucasian do not wish us to be in this country? And number two, um, question number two is that why won't we just stay on code as you suggested that we do? That was my two questions. Thank you, sir. And the first question is what? Well, the, my first question is why why are we distracted so so much uh, with other things uh, like what color somebody's hair is, uh, these rappers and everything, and not realize? Oh, 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 okay, oh, okay, I, I I got that. You know. Uh, like I said, you never move to the second question before you take care of the first one. Why are we distracted? It's because we have been, haven't been told or haven't asked the question. Are we distracted? All right? Everything is about a question and an answer. Are we distracted? And the answer is yes. Because you have noticed that, and I have certainly noticed it. That's why I started writing my book, to get centered on what is the problem. Well, if you ask that question of people in Palestine or if you ask that question of anybody, the problem for the person who wants the plumbing fixed is that I got a plumbing problem. So that person has a question. Can you fix this pipe? In the kitchen, Mr. Plumber. And the plumber say, yeah, that's why you call me, I guess. I can fix it. I'm a plumber. I fix pipes. Okay? That's the answer. Okay? So the question is, why are black people distracted? Or are we distracted? The answer is yes. Many people agree on that. I do. Why are we distracted? That's the next question. Because the white supremacists are excellent. And this is the answer I'm giving. At distracting people from what they should be doing and directing their attention to millions of things that shouldn't be done. And that's why we do things that shouldn't be done. Because the white supremacists can distract us. Distraction is designed to do what? That's the question. To cause confusion. Because once you are dealing with a confused mind, you can always handle that man that is confused if you are the person who is not confused. That's a law of the universe. And the white supremacists are supreme at confusing 
black man. All right. Hold that thought right there, Mr. Fuller. We've got to take a quick break here. Our last look at the news, traffic, and weather. Eric, I thank you for your call. I'll let him respond to your other, the second part of your question about why we don't stay on code when we get back. Folks, you want to join this conversation with Neely Fuller Jr., reach out to us at 800-450-7876, or 26 minutes away from the top. I'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Or information is power. And good morning again, family. And 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Neely Fuller Jr. Neely Fuller is explaining his tome on racism, white supremacy. Because you've heard the term white supremacy, but you didn't know who coined that term. That was Neely Fuller Jr. who did that. Now you hear it on Capitol Hill. It's it's in the lexicon now. Everybody's talking about it. But they use it in a different reference to how Neely Fuller and, and Dr. Wilson uh, taught us about racism, white supremacy. I'll let me respond to the, Eric's second question, why we won't stay on code in a moment. Let me just remind you that tomorrow is Friday. You know that already. We're going to give you another chance to free your mind and think for yourself and join us for our Open Phone Friday program. Begin promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So, Mr. Fuller, Eric's question, why can't we stay on code? Why, what's the problem? What's, what's holding us back? We never thought we needed one. The white supremacists have a code. Plumbers have a code. Everything that is successful has a code. People walk around with things in their hands every day. I see it. I do it myself. Uh, it's a communication device. Watch that word device, too. Uh, it's, it's an object. That you communicate with people. You communicate by having a code of communication. Uh, the device itself has a code. Language is a code. People who are what they call rappers, they know this. And they have they tapped into it some years ago, like Mr. Chuck D and people like that. I mean, and, and they... They said, we, we have words that we make up. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The... McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. That, that is something that you do. All words are made up. People have sometimes asked me, well, are you not using traditional language? All language becomes traditional when you start using it. There's no restriction on using whatever language under what they call freedom of speech. You can just start saying whatever it is that, you know, what is a conservative? Whatever I say it is. Duh. As long as I give it a definition. 
there's no restriction. And people who are what they call raffers or hip hoppers and whatnot, they tapped into that years ago because it was always there. And they say, this is what this means. This is, I mean, when something is whack, that's one of the first words that was introduced to me. I haven't learned very much since then. But I asked the person, I say, what does, what does whack? I keep hearing say whack. What, what, what are you saying? So I asked somebody who I think could answer, could answer the question. And he said, it means, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a term that we in the rap world, we, we understand what it means. And uh, I said, yeah, but I don't understand what it means. And if I recall correctly, he said, well, it just means that something is off track as far as the rap world is concerned, something that's not to be considered uh, important. And that's the, that's the explanation, see, because once you hear a word, and this is important for black people, because this is everything that I'm doing right now, we need to get in the habit of asking people to explain Every word that they say that we think you as an individual needs explaining. It's just that simple. We haven't been doing that. The white supremacists do it 24-7. They are very strict about it. Like at one here, and I'm just giving an example now. A very important hearing. A person was going to be appointed to a very, uh, what you might call, important position, a black lady. She was asked what? Watch the questions and ask. And every question has an answer. She was asked what? On television. I saw it myself. What is a woman? What's the definition of a woman? Just what you're hearing now, that was what I saw, silence. But there is a definition, depending on which one you want to use nowadays. That <laughs> the lady, if I recall, the black lady, her response was silence. She responded. She didn't answer the question, but she did give a response. It was silence to that question. So I guess that was her answer, silence. If you had to record it, that's what it would be. What, this, what was her answer? Silence, in parenthesis. Didn't answer the question. But there is an answer to the question what a woman is. And you might hear it from different people. That's what I mean by code. Now, if you have 50 people who are asked that question, you might get 50 different answers. You might. Or might. Everybody might answer the same answer. But all questions are legit. 
the answer to most questions initially is what? In the entire universe, I don't know. I use it all the time. That's code. I don't know. Mark Twain once said, I was proud to be able to answer promptly. I said I didn't know. You're talking about profound. If you want to use that word. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You say what? You don't know. No big deal. Then you can editorialize it now by doing what? Saying, I will try to find out. Because according to the code, when you don't know something and you think you need to know, it's real simple. The next thing to do is try to find out what you don't know. And what's the best way it's been proven throughout history to find out? The initial way, find out from someone who does know. Now, if you find out that nobody knows that you know about, then you say, I will try to find out by what? Asking the best knower. And that opens the door to a lot of religion. Because someone is going to ask, like I've heard Muslims use this, who is the best knower? Come on now. Who's the best knower? When nobody else seems to know, who is the best knower? Because that's who you're going to ask. Inventors understand that. Everybody who's ever invented. I'm talking code now. That's what we need is a code. And what is a code for? You keep talking about a code. A code means you use words that are all about getting answers to questions. And that's something that black people don't do. What, going back to what I said just a few minutes ago about Mark Twain, never be embarrassed. Because that's what we're talking about here, about what you don't know. And like a black sergeant taught me, fuller, fuller, fuller. Every time I ask you a question, you start squirming and whatnot and trying to get around answering the question. Fuller, you're embarrassed about being asked a question that you don't know the answer to. Let me tell you one blankety-blank thing, Fuller. Don't you know how you talk in the military, or people who've been in the military know? There's a black sergeant back in the 1950s. He said, Fuller, never be embarrassed about what you don't know. Be embarrassed about not trying like hell to find out. And how do you do that? Ask questions. Ask questions. There's no such thing as too many questions when you don't know what you need to know. 
And I remember. And, and let that. me interrupt you here, Mr. Fuller. Yeah, let me interrupt you right now because I want to get you because you're running out of time, and I want you to tell folks how they can get a copy of your book because it's a textbook, a workbook, so they can better understand next time they hear you on the radio explain how the system of racism, white supremacy works. How can we get copies of your book? Yes, go to producejustice.com. Because that's what we're supposed to be producing, not everything that we're saying. Produce justice.com and what will come up on your screen I haven't checked it lately is the directions the instructions for getting the basic textbook 2016 edition for victims of white supremacy it's all about the do's and don'ts what I tried to explain here on this program in my sloppy way Having a code of do's and don'ts, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do, in dealing with racism. It's ProduceJustice.com. The 2016 edition is the latest, and the 2010 edition to the basic book, the 2016 edition, Word Guide, like I talked about the word conservative, the word liberal. They're in there, because I looked this morning. And naturally, definition of racism. Racism is white supremacy. White supremacy is racism. That's a different way of looking at it. No such thing as a whole bunch of races of people, just one race. That's the white race. No such thing as anything called the human race. That's all in the textbook. No such thing as a human race. You know, what would humans be racing against? First of all, there's no such thing as human beings. And that's explained in the textbook. But you can get it by going to ProduceJustice.com. Basic two volumes, 2016 edition and the Word Guide, 2010 edition. And then there's another one, the original. And it's called the original that you can get for people who wanted the 1984 edition for some reason. Uh, It's still valid, but it's been revised and expanded since then, 2016 edition. Go to ProduceJustice.com. And I have some other information there, too, at that website. All right, Mr. Fuller. Yeah, we're flat out of time. We've got to run. But I thank you, and, and we've got some calls. I want to just thank you for what you, for the work you've done as well. So on behalf of them, I want to thank you as well. We didn't get all the questions. But thank you for sharing that information. And thank you for coming up with the term racism, white supremacy, the system of racism, white supremacy. Thank you, Mr. Fuller. Yes. Thank you for sharing the information this morning. All right, yes, folks, we've got to run. We're out of here. Yes. Stay thank strong. You. Stay positive. Thank you, Mr. Fuller. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, for our Open Phone Friday program right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power.